Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Patrick. Hey. And Steven. Hi. And we are about to talk about Grandmother's Farm, a movie that was picked for us by our beloved Wheel of Death. It is a 2013 film from the United Arab Emirates. But before we get into that, you know, we like to catch up and talk about life, talk about horror in general, talk about things we've been doing that are horror related, be they uh, in real life or in books or movies or TV shows or whatever. So what you, what you guys been up to? How you doing? I have a... F- uh, a couple of things I'll go through quickly. Um, Chris, I know you were very curious. Uh, you saw the trailer for Caveat yes. during Joe Bob's Last Drive, and I did watch it. Uh, fascinating film, glorious cold open. Um, this is a movie about a man with partial memory loss who is given a job to look after his landlord's niece, who appears to have some kind of psychological ailment in this really dilapidated house. Uh but there's a catch, a.k.a. a caveat. And this gave me Babadook vibes a little bit. It's very oh. expressionistic. I, f- I personally found it to be a little bit too convoluted to get fully invested in it, but I do plan on watching it again. I will say the mechanical rabbit that you see in the trailer that bangs the drum and has the angry eyes uh, deserves an Oscar. It'll never get it. Yeah, really interesting movie, some creepy moments, um, but I feel like there was like too much plot getting in the way of the story, as Joe Bob would say. Uh, mm. But I, but very, very well made. The production design is incredible. Again, I, I think it might pay off a little bit more in a second viewing, and I, I can't wait to see what the director does next. Those uh, Shutter trailers can be deceiving. I saw the trailer for that in Shutter, and I was like, this looks like the best movie ever made. But pretty much every trailer. Every trailer I've seen on Shudder makes a movie look like the best movie ever made, and then you watch it, and it's it's dreadful. Um, I also watched the quote-unquote lost George A. Romero film The Amusement Park from 1973 that popped up on Shudder. I mean, this has been in the works for a few years. I've been very curious about it. It's a movie that's under an hour long. It's not really a movie. It was a commissioned the same year that George Romero directed The Crazies uh, by a Lutheran organization, and they wanted him to make a PSA about the way that our society treats elders. And if you know that going in, it's a much more enjoyable experience because it is very on the nose. Um, Romero can be like that even if he's not doing something uh, paid for by a group like that. Uh, I found it to be pretty horrifying. And pretty, uh, um, it, it touched a chord with me. A lot of my friends are in their 60s and 70s. I, I don't know why I tend to attract those sorts of folks uh, of those generations, but it's it's a, it's about a, a um, an actor, a, a real working actor who's been in some Romero films, uh, playing a version of himself. He visits an amusement park, which is an analogy for life as an older person with younger people around. I mean, like when in the bumper car uh, sequence as you would expect in a film set in an amusement park, it turns into a fender bender and the woman shouldn't have been driving. She needs a, she needs a, um, an eye exam to determine whether or not she's culpable for crashing into the other car. Um, it's, it's a pretty nightmarish experience and I can understand why the Lutheran organization that funded it, uh, rejected it immediately. And it wound up in a vault. Um, I would say if you're a big Romero fan, it's well worth your time to seek out certainly interesting from a historical perspective there yeah it fucked me up a little bit to be honest and i wasn't expecting that and then i think the last thing was chris you and i both watched uh different amounts of joe bob's last special on direct to vhs horror movies i really enjoyed sledgehammer which i'd never heard of before i have not gotten through the notorious film things yet i plan to i just haven't had the time and it was a little too much for one night for me. 
but yeah. I'm curious about what you thought about it. This was, I mean, he, so Joe Bob Briggs screened some deliberately bad straight to VHS movies. Um, well, the movies aren't deliberately bad. He deliberately screened bad movies or yes. movies that are, are infamous. And, mm-hmm. um, Sledgehammer was a trip. It, it was bad, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was so bizarrely bad that I found a lot of entertainment in it. Um, everything was like broken in a weird way that kind of intrigued me. Um, things was even worse, <laughs> and uh, we might we might talk a little bit more about the thing about things and Sledgehammer as we review Grandmother's Farm. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I thought th- I thought at least Sledgehammer was appropriate to mention. <laughs> yeah, for this um, episode, there's not a lot to say. I mean, it was it was bad, but you know, I was I was grateful uh, for having the experience of watching these oddities that I otherwise would never have watched, much like the reason I do this show. Yeah, well, that's it for me. What about you guys? Patrick, anything uh, interesting going on with you? Yeah, sorry guys. I've been out of the loop on the the movie club this week. I guess I I feel like I have missed some good shared experiences here. Um, I haven't really watched a lot of horror. I saw uh, the Quiet Place, as Chris and I like to call it. It's not a quiet place. It's the Quiet Place Part Two. It was uh, enjoyable, little slight. Felt like a tee up for the inevitable third part. But I've been reading a lot of horror. I read at your recommendation, Stephen, a head full of ghosts, which very, very much lived up to your high praise. Uh, just uh, whether you like possession movies or or possession stories or like Stephen, you dislike them as a genre oh i hate them yeah generally as a rule right uh i think this is an incredible one and an incredible way to kind of flip the genre on its head and really poke at a lot of the sort of social underpinnings of the genre i really enjoyed that and then at the recommendation of paul tremblay he has kind of a list of suggested reading material in the back of the edition of the book that i read I read uh, his recommendation, The Diving Pool, by Yoko Ogawa, which is a collection of three novellas. And, I mean, they certainly are horror. There are are certainly horrific elements to the stories. They're not, like, scary, but just deeply unsettling stories. And each one ends in a way that almost felt a little disappointing or almost like a little bit of a letdown to me where I almost wanted more, yet these characters, these sort of desperate characters that the author creates are just so fascinating and trapped in their own little private interpersonal hells in a way that has just really burrowed under my skin and caused me to continue thinking about each of the stories for quite a while after I finished reading it. So Hmm. um, certainly enjoyed that. uh, It's like Raymond Carver, but spooky. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds a little like. I'm sorry. Did you say are these is 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 the author Japanese? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It sounds a little like. Um, I I had a period where I was into Japanese existentialism, as it's called. Mm. And Kobo Abe is a really interesting author. Mm. He wrote A Woman in the Dunes, oh, okay. which is a very similar thing where it's not overtly horror, but you do find yourself like trapped in the plight with the character while also criticizing them at the same point. Yeah. Something that I've never really seen in Western literature before. Yeah, and there's a lot... I I have to check this out. Yeah, and there's some really interesting just sort of like horror of the senses. Um, In some ways, Mm. it it reminded me in some ways of some of Junji Ito's work, because of course a lot of Junji Ito's work is very overly visceral and graphic, but um, he can also just tap into the way that your your senses can can deceive you and sort of horrify you. One of the stories in The Diving Pool, um, one of the characters gets very fixated on scents and is, is hmm. just overwhelmed and kind of disgusted by the scents that she's uh, taking in. And that was, you know, again, just unsettling in a, in a not over the top but just very low-key kind of way so yeah definitely enjoyed the diving pool and also finally read carmilla um, by joseph sheridan le fanu the famous lesbian vampire novel which uh certainly lived up to its reputation that was a delight certainly uh, progressive for its time as far as depiction of a lesbian relationship but uh you know we've come a long way since then baby so that's about it for me this week <laughs> I've uh, still been, tr- you know, I got, I said before on this show that I was really looking forward to Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village, and mm. I got it, like, first day it was available, and 
I've just been busy and I haven't been given a whole lot of time. I think I'm about halfway through it or a little bit more. And it's been great. It started off a little slow and then there were some really amazing sequences. It's funny how much this game and several other horror games that are on the market right now owe so much to PT, the little playable trailer that uh, uh, Hideo Kojima made for the Silent Hill game that was never made. It's funny how they canned that game and now konami the developer of that game has to kind of sit back and watch (laughs) other games that are hugely successful just riffing on it um so that's going on resident evil village a little bit i've been enjoying it uh too soon to really talk about more if i if i finish it and i i love it as much as i love the first one you can expect me to talk about it again but just a little update on that otherwise i haven't really been doing anything horror related so you guys ready to get into Grandmother's Farm or what? Yeah, let's go to the convenience store and pick up snacks for like a half hour. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Great this way to film, set this up. This film. I mean, you know, uh, one of our, you know, Patrick and, uh, Patrick and I's uh, uh, favorite recent horror films is Unsane mm. by Steven Soderbergh. Famous, famously oh, entirely. Oh, oh, I didn't know you saw it. Oh, Great. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I think didn't. Didn't Chris and I both name that like our favorite movie of whatever year it came out? Or our favorite horror movie, I guess. I think so, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. That would, it would have been yeah. truly unsane if we called it the best film of the year, period. <laughs> it might have been my favorite film of the year. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that movie was famously shot exclusively on an iPhone. And for a long time, I thought this movie was going to be shot exclusively on a dash cam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. We don't even see our quintet of characters until, like, 15 minutes into this fucking movie <laughs> we're just following we're just riding in this car around the city going to the gas station oh my god how to even set this up okay yeah 15 minutes is exaggerating but also the way that this is the way that this opens is so strange because you do have just what seems to be kind of like chris said dash cam video of uh abu dhabi i assume right i don't know the scenery of abu dhabi very well but i assume that's what it is just from the 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 dashboard of a car over the credits and then the credits end and it continues with dash cam video for i mean it's not a long time but it's still long enough with characters talking in the background that you're like wait is this is this just how this is going to be and then and then they change it up it's just one of many um sort of i don't want to say off-putting i just want to say it like kind of just put me off balance there are a lot of creative choices in this that just sort of put me off balance well they change it up and commit further cinema sins as the movie goes on like i feel like we we kind of (laughs) we every like 10 minutes we get stuck in a mode of like this is not this could be an artistic choice it's probably just a mistake though and we have to sit with that for a while until something happens yeah rinse and repeat (laughs) yeah like let let let's not bury the lead here this is a movie that is just inscrutable at every level from start to finish and and so look when we go into these movies especially these foreign films you know obviously there's a barrier here where us three ugly americans are not (laughs) equipped to fully interpret a film from the united arab emirates some stuff may be have more meaning culturally if we live in the United Arab Emirates that we'd be receiving. There may be themes that are going completely over our head. There may be symbolism that's going over our head. There may be uh, film conventions that are going over our head. That said, that can only account for some of the some of the confusion going on in this movie. And <laughs> this movie is just bizarre and, dare I say, incompetent at every level. Dare um, away, I'm with you. I mean, to- <laughs> I want to be. I want to be more. I want to be more kind about. It. I mean, I, I'm not even even saying that to to, to diss it. Really, it's just. Um, and and we'll get into some of the things that were just well really dysfunctional in this movie. Well, but, let um, me. Okay, so let me offer. I guess an early. I don't know if I want to say it's a defense, but I I just think it's very useful context on this movie. So the, the UAE's film industry is extremely new and essentially non-existent. Like if you look up a list of Emirati films, there's, you know, you could count them pretty quick. Like there are not a lot of films that have been made there by Emirati filmmakers. Increasingly, people like Tom Cruise are going there and shooting their own movies um, that are produced in America, but there are not a lot of Emirati films. 
and this movie was made by a guy who was the the director was a mechanical engineer he made it for i converted this into u.s oh i'm so glad you did i was too lazy (laughs) he 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 made it for eighty one (laughs) thousand dollars okay and it had what gulf news i don't know what gulf news is but it's a a media outlet it appears Mm -hmm. to be in in the uae it had what this publication describes as uh, an unheard of five-week run across the UAE. They say that's unheard of for an out-and-out commercial Emirati film. So, you know, it's interesting within that context that there is this weird space where there are not a lot of films being made there right now, and this guy kind of just came out of nowhere, clearly made something for cheap with his friends, and had a pretty solid success with it in his home country. So, so much that's so my... that a, a sequel followed not long afterward. Yeah, with a, exactly. with a bigger budget. Yeah, but exactly. I mean, to me, that's like I, I I appreciate that context, but at the same time, I don't know what kind of exposure films from other countries have in that region. But like, I think about this in the context of like, okay, well, what about like Michigan independent cinema, like a film like Evil Dead, which was made for a lot more money. I'm looking at a three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. But like, it is possible to make a movie with very few resources. Wow, the original and- Evil Dead was made. That's that's not even adjusting for inflation. Like that's that was the budget in nineteen eighty whatever. This is what Wikipedia tells me. I mean, it was it huh. was what we would consider shoestring in the states, um, yeah. which is probably equivalent to in in the uae but i tried to give this movie some points for being a quote-unquote regional film and even still it is just utterly incompetent and lacking imagination on every level well i really appreciate that context that this is you know a film coming from a a very nascent film industry because and, and actually it it the way i felt watching this film this movie might be revolutionary, actually. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Because> <laughs> bring on the hot take. <laughs> All right, because there were sequences and there were shots in this film. So, like, I was thinking about how the early filmmakers in in you know convention, I guess what we'd call conventional filmmaking, the film the film industry we know today, the early filmmakers, you know, someone had to be the first person to like realize that you didn't have to shoot the whole scene in one shot. You could cut away. You could do a close-up, and then you could go back to the master shot, right? But, like, when you've seen that for the first time in, like, 1910 or whatever, you don't really have the grammar to make sense of yeah. that. I'm thinking of, like, the, like the Kuleshov effect, one of my favorite effects now, which actually is, I guess, misnamed because his, like, female editor invented it and not actually Kuleshov. Oh, but that. the idea that, you know, you can have a guy... I, I watched a YouTube video on it that was their argument. I don't know if it's true, but... <laughs> Um, You're on solid you know, the, ground. The Kuleshoff the, <laughs> effect is where you know you have a guy and he's you know looking, and then you insert you know a meal or a, a dead baby or yeah. a, a cat, and then you cut back to the guy's face, and you know that second shot in the middle informs the way you interpret the guy's reaction on the mm-hmm. face. Anyway, but like that whole thing was when that was new. It's like people didn't know how to process that either and so watching some of these decisions and the editing and the shots and the going back and forth between the action i'm like this is this is just something my brain cannot process and maybe it's just you know someone who's never seen a movie before making a movie with a new type of grammar mm. that will be the only way movies are made in a hundred years <laughs> yeah. but we live in an era where like you can look up youtube videos about how to make movies on like every level like any any specific specific skill that you want to learn you can learn about it pretty easily yeah but steven they knew they didn't care they chose to create a new language yeah i don't know i'm not <laughs> gonna buy that for one second <laughs> I, this I, is a, this is a this is a high school student film in my mind no it which is. It which is. is fair i like i remember learning how to make movies by like I heard about somebody, some filmmaker talking about this in a podcast recently, and it like resurrected a lot of memories for me. Like, I remember actively learning, like, doing movies, doing what we call in camera editing, where you shoot every shot in sequence, and then eventually learning, like, oh, you can actually assemble this footage later and edit it together. You don't, it doesn't have to be completely linear. This feels like somebody's first stab at picking up a camera and shooting a movie, which is frankly. No. For, it's not actually. 
the director oh, no. the director has been making short films for the last 13 years. Well, that's sad. That's Bullshit. very sad. <laughs> that's I very don't believe sad. it. A lot of lessons he's left unlearned. He's padding his resume to get investment. <laughs> he's padding his resume to get investors for Grandmother's Farm. I mean... Uh, I don't believe I it. Mean, Should we... Should what? we back out and at least describe the plot of this movie for a moment? Well, I'll, let me let me let me add one more yeah. thing because it's sort of still on this same note. Instead of me going back to this well multiple times, one Go final note, I guess, in defense of this movie, which I mean, I will reveal and probably already have like tipped my hat. I mean, I did not like this movie. It is it okay, is in, it is incoherent, <laughs> but I still admire it. You know, I think that's sort of the distinction I would make. I didn't like it, but I admire it. And one of the reasons I admire it is, again, going back to this article, I was reading about it. Ahmad Zane, or Ahmad Zane, is the director's name. And he says, these are my people. I know what kind of movie they want. They want to enjoy something from the UAE, something in our language, showing our clothes and all the things related to us. And I think that's cool. You know, I mean, there's apparently a big market for both Hollywood and Bollywood movies there. But, I mean... It, that, it's such an interesting thing to think about, you know, having, uh, I mean, the UAE is a, a very well-developed country, and they, like I said, have an, have an appetite for cinema from a lot of other places, but it must be so weird to, like, have so few movies made in your own country, like, representing your own culture, and how cool to have a movie come out that actually does that even if it is as much of a mess as this one well this would be like if chris if we ever do the dog lady 1944 whatever it is you know (laughs) we'll have the same effect on monroe well i maybe i mean (laughs) i wouldn't go that far i mean pretty much pretty much you or i and and the people around us you know can find a movie that kind of reflects our culture true you know what the things i liked most about this movie (laughs) oh god (laughs) yeah maybe i'm changing my tune on that a little bit um the uh, the the things I liked most about this movie were the scenes that were kind of slice of life. Like I really, you know, mm-hmm. as much as it served no purpose really to the plot, I did like the extended sequence at the convenience store at the you beginning because it was like I've never been in a convenience store in the United Arab Emirates and it seemed very naturalistic. And I was like, this is interesting. I agree, actually. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I simultaneously was like, wow, this is going on for a long time and accomplishing very little, but also was like, oh, this is interesting, just as like a, a cultural experience. Because I, I, Abu Dhabi is a place I've always wanted to go. And I'm like, oh, hey, I get to like just hang out in one of the most mundane places in, in this place. We could hang out I'm with them in like, a Dhabi. more like interesting and intimate way, though. It's all like wide shots. You can barely hear anybody talking. No, the, we, the, we kn- like I know it's not well done. I'm just picking out the things that I actually did enjoy in that moment, which was, hey, it's it. I'm in a convenience store in Abu Dhabi just hanging out. This is interesting. Oh, they have teddy bears in convenience stores. How fascinating. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it is. I'm I'm going to Abu Dhabi as soon as I'm good enough to compete in the uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Tournament, which is often in Abu Dhabi. Well, let, let me sum up what we're saying here, which I, I think we can all agree. Like, this movie was based on interviews that I've read with the director, which are few and far between, unfortunately. There's not a lot of reading material out there, at least for, uh, at least in English, about this film. This movie was, for all intents and purposes, not made for a Western audience. This movie was made for, you know, for the UAE. This was made, you know, to kind of speak to sort of the values and experiences of people who live there. Uh, it's not for us. And I find it fascinating yeah. that it wound up on Netflix, especially given the poor quality of the filmmaking. And I I am genuinely curious to see more films made from there. The, I looked at a comprehensive list of every Emirati film that has ever been made. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are not many. Mm-hmm. There may be 30. The only one I recognized was <laughs> a, to- a Toby Hooper movie that I oddly have not seen. Uh, he did shoot a film entirely in the United wow. Arab Emirates huh. uh, called Jin. I heard it's not great. There's apparently a really good director's cut that's impossible to find. You got to know the right people. But I, I want to actively look up these movies and find out like what what's going on there. What's the scene? Like this is probably very like lower tier for what's happening in the world of film there. Maybe, like, every scene in this movie is just a scary movie-esque riff on a famous scene from Emirati Sim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Maybe. Yeah, that's... We should, we should probably explain what the fuck the movie's about. 
yeah, other, okay. than, other than so going to a convenience store. It's very simple. We have some friends. I think there's five of them. I only say that because Steven mentioned a quintet. I think there are five. Five yeah. friends. Five friends. And they're getting away for a little, like, weekend or something, R&R, to go to one of... We we got the ladies' man, we got the religious guy, we got the intellectual writer, we got... The writer who who loves to read aloud. (laughs) Yes. He cannot read without his mouth open and moving. (laughs) Yeah. We got the person who I can only describe as the fat guy, because that's his entire, like, personality trait. Yep. And who am I missing? Uh, the the um, the, bit, the, the, the main guy. Oh of, yes, the guy who he the grandson. He, ha- he hates trouble, yeah. but he might be the cause of it. I think because we get these right. title cards that explain the archetypes. Which Dude, I, I was loved that ridiculous. I love that. Oh. It really makes it Lo- easier to watch the movie when you have a title card that explains the character's personality. Well, like each of them were like sort oh. of a little funny and and almost like poetic in a weird way i loved that at that point i was like oh we might be in for something cool there was a hilarious bad translation issue here which this is not a fault of the film but the ladies man who is arguably one of the ugliest people in this group i'm just gonna throw it out there like (laughs) i found it shocking that they cast this guy as the ladies man but well that was the point but he his description is love not at first sight and I don't know what that means. It means that he's an ugly guy. Like, they deliberately cast... I wouldn't even call him ugly, but, you know, he's he's a little awkward looking and he has acne and stuff. Yeah, but I, think we, I think we need not appearance shame. You wouldn't say that if it was a female character. No, I might. Oh, I, I might. don't know. He might. <laughs> he might. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, no, that was, the, that was the irony of he's it. Because he's a ladies' man, but he's also ugly. And, and I, I want to say face. I want to say face very briefly. Meets. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Chris. Sure. I want to say he's, he's unlikely to be a ladies' man based on his physical appearance. That's the point. Seems, right. That's the point. But he's also, like, weirdly good at it, which I found to be. That's kinda, the point. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that Let, I think let's that's dispel the, this, let's dispel the fiction. Let's dispel this fiction that, that grandmother's farm doesn't know what Syed, it's doing. It knows exactly what it's doing. That Syed doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was his name. I started to get all their names mixed up. Uh, but yeah, he's yeah, he's that no. guy who like who lays on the charm, you know. And boy, does the actor sell it. This actor, oh, he he's, yeah. he's great. Boy, he can. Oh, I was joking, but. <laughs> He, oh, I thought he was fantastic he can, he, like, for what an awkward like role he's meant to fill. I like. have never seen someone text so uh, with such vigor. He just is texting in the car and just like he's just you can tell he's not actually texting. He's just like tapping the screen in different places and it has almost a dancer like rhythm to it. You know, actually, this sort of bolsters Chris's theory of a whole new grammar because he does not look like he's actually texting it's a whole new texting. He's creating the new texting. And we all have that friend who is like, you know, I gotta, don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to these girls. I'm going to talk to oh, these. Yeah. And then he spends the whole party. He's like texting. He's like, no, they're coming. And then they never show up. <laughs> Can I, very I, relatable. I have to interject here because I, uh, around that point in the movie where I realized that like, that's his role. He meets these three honeys at the convenience store and he's trying to get them to come to grandmother's farm. I was like, okay, they're going to have a rager at Grandmother's Farm. No. Yeah. No. Oh, no. When they get to Grandmother's Farm, it is the most sober, depressing vacation experience I can possibly imagine. Like, they don't even start roasting the lamb until, like, 10 o'clock at night. And that's got to take a few hours, I would think. But, like, that's their entertainment. Okay, but is that cultural ignorance on our part? I mean, I don't know. Would these people even be, you know, I don't know. We're we're probably expecting them to be, like, doing shots and shit. Is that something they'd even be doing? No, no, no. They they would not be doing shots or anything. But it it did make it seem like, uh, I don't don't even know how to describe it. I'm just gonna. Well, stop again, there. We, we already put the disclaimer out there that that we don't know. We, we are we are coming at this through a naive cultural let's lens. Di- let's dispel um, with this fiction that we know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what we're doing. But yeah, so you got these five guys. One of them has a grandmother who ostensibly has a farm. It's it's more of like a just generic like Airbnb. There's, it's a whole I, fucking I, I cl- huge compound. Which is- I clocked it. There's no indication of agriculture until halfway. You through hear this movie. no when they arrive. You do hear some chickens in the background. There's some like. Oh, okay. chickens. Okay, we got some some chickens or dubbed some in. Some kind of fowl, um, I don't know. 
So they stop at a convenience store, you know, for <laughs> snacks and stuff. We spend an excruciating long period of time just watching like a wide shot of them walking around the convenience store. Yeah. And well, uh, even just like I, pulling our, out of the convenience convenience store. Remember oh that God. one shot where That's it just like a, it lingers on the car, just sitting there. The car shifts into reverse, <laughs> sits there slowly 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 backs out pull like we watched this car back out for yeah. that may have been 15 minutes the, the, it, was, the, the, the it was like almost a minute and like there's like action movie music going on it's also like just awkwardly framed too like oh there's God. there's that little filmmaking adage that you know you should come into a scene late and leave early yeah yeah i think i think he did watch a youtube video about this but he got mixed up and you know <laughs> <laughs> we come into the scene early and we leave late <laughs> every scene um but but they, they so this our ladies man meets three ladies at the store and you know he's texting them he gets their number or whatever and he's like i'm gonna get these girls to come out to grandmother's farm they drive through the desert to, to grandma they do some off-roading they do some dune crawling <laughs> in the in the in the vehicle oh, they ride over and, some fucking bones with flesh yeah, they, on them <laughs> which like which then seemingly the, the dune crawling is also some of the worst framed shots in the movie like the car is at least 50 percent of the time either out of frame or like cropped partly out of frame that was blowing my well, mind I'm gonna, too. i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you why that is in a oh, little bit okay um i know why this movie looks like it does oh um, interesting uh, wow but yeah oh, they, there, there's they, suspense now i'm feeling more suspense <laughs> than i did any time in this movie the same <laughs> They dune crawl over some ominous looking bones that looked like they were like kind of left behind by the production of Dabe. <laughs> oh yeah, and, it's like um, a cow skeleton. Th- yeah. It's like multiple skeletons and there's like l- bits of flesh lingering, like they find some blood on the on the car when they get to the grandmother's yeah. farm. It's I thought that was kind of cool. I'm like inciting incident 25 minutes into the movie, great. <laughs> Honestly, Stephen, this really reminded me of the Texas Chainsaw yes, Massacre. Yes, Chris, I'm glad you said that, and I knew you yeah. would. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I would say that, yeah. Like, the whole sort of, you know, opening up where they're going on a trip in the car, yeah. and and they, you know, they got they snap, stop and they get some snacks, and you got, like, the fat guy kind of sitting in the back of the van. It's like they saw and TCM then, and not TCSM. Yes. <laughs> right. That's a that's a that's a deep cut joke there. He's he Steven's referring remake. to the remake, yeah. which is called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one word as opposed to the original, which is Chainsaw Massacre two words or three words. Well yeah, except um, Texas Chain Space Saw Massacre gives you all kinds of unsettling shit for the first 25 30 minutes as opposed to this where it takes forever to like run over a cow or camel or whatever skeleton in the desert right the the skeletons in this are the armadillo from tcsm but it comes like much later than you would expect the reason i'm bringing it up now is because the bones leave that smear of blood on the on the van just like in Uh chainsaw massacre um, not lost that maybe yeah so i don't i don't know anyway so they eventually make it to grandmother's farm and then yeah it's just they just hang out and that's your movie <laughs> i don't know what else to it's say it's like an abu dhabi apatow movie <laughs> yes i wrote down yeah. apatow in my notes yeah actually i mean i think it's supposed to be funny at times for sure i'm oh, sure yeah. it's funny if you're in this friend group yeah. or you know these people or like yeah, I don't know. Well, the other thing is, all these friends seemingly hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> There's not one moment of friendship in this movie. They all just fucking bicker and 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 hate each other and accuse each other of stuff and whatever. I, sometimes you go on a trip with your friends and that's what. Like. Yeah, that's, it's eerily familiar to me. <laughs> I will say no more. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, they're 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 all kind of reductive stereotypes. Some are more charming than others. I frankly, I thought the best performance was the grandson, the bitchy grandson who doesn't like trouble but might be the cause of it. I thought he was like pretty compelling, trying to trying to trying to rally everybody, keep things together. You know, he's no nonsense. He doesn't believe in the supernatural. He's constantly he was, pissed at all his friends. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I think that's why I identified <laughs> with him. <laughs> I don't know. He's also the character who it's like, I mean, he seemed like a character out of the bar, you know, to reference the last movie we watched yeah, where it's yeah. like, he's just mad at everybody. And it's like, oh, wow, our whole ass lamb roast just disappeared. 
I'm sure one of my friends ate the whole roast. I'm going to kick his ass. Everyone's like, dude, it's physically impossible for someone to eat this whole roast in like five minutes that we were away from it. He's like, no, I'm going to go kick his ass. But there, but there, were, like, there were like 10 fat shaming jokes leading up to that about how that particular person in this group could do something like that too, though. So I, I, I empathize with him up to uh, a point. I don't know. Um, I, I like to, you know, our our most serious character is the the religious character, yeah. um, and I thought maybe this, you know, speaks to maybe the theme that this movie was going for, where he's kind of the butt of the joke at the beginning of the movie. Everyone's like, "Hey, we're partying, we're talking to girls. Oh, hope that doesn't bother you, Mister Religious Man." Uh, but then, you know, things get spooky, and the religious man is the only one kind of keeping shit together. He's you know smoking the room. He's he's in the well, right. and the and the intellectual, the writer is also in that role as well because he's constantly reading off his Kindle the entire time. The story that it's an iPad. I was making a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. <laughs> also, it's only also, a funny joke if you know it's an iPad. Yeah, also, <laughs> and also, who cares? <laughs> um, but he's reading this story the whole time that I guess is kind of relevant to the plot. It's supposed to be at least. I mean, it it, it definitely is at the end. Yeah. Uh, but I I got the sense the entire time watching this, like, oh, he's and uh, of course he's reading it aloud and annoying his friends because apparently he can't read with his fucking mouth closed. Um, and I got the sense, like, oh, this is supposed to be thematically irrelevant, and it doesn't really pay off for quite a while if if it really does at all. Yeah very odd choice yeah and i mean that's really an area where there, there's probably a cultural significance that we're not grasping yeah i don't know if that's like a retelling of like a common i don't know if this is a spoiler but a common gin sort of fable um i i have yeah. no idea i would i would love to know if, if there's more to that but but it did feel very on the nose to me the entire time yeah oh yeah i think it's i think it's certainly on the nose i would suspect with no evidence that it's a you know, well-known fable or something that is kind of being reenacted through the events of the movie. Yeah. And he's there kind of as a Greek chorus character to say, this is what's happening, everybody. Yeah, because, I mean, long story short, we end up getting into some trouble with a djinn. And I do say some trouble. And, like, <laughs> some in the very, like... <laughs> slightest interpretation of the word some because the trouble does not ha- does not start to happen until quite late in the movie and mm-hmm. it really is not a whole lot of trouble at all in the end no no i mean we we've watched what 115 horror movies on netflix i have seen some shit <laughs> uh i would i would i would take the horrors of grandmother's farm over the horrors in any other movie we have seen <laughs> yeah i think so the, the, it's so the cable yeah. went out while i was watching soccer <laughs> Fuck. my friend is like days standing next to the refrigerator when i go for a, gla- a bottle of water like it's so mundane yeah. yeah, incredibly mundane. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's there's various like kind of subplots. I mean, the most significant subplot is is these women who like our our ladies man guy is like texting, and then he like tries to meet them, but there's like some weird. It seems like maybe gaps in time and space where they they like meet up, but then they're not there, and then they come back, and only one of them's there. And they're and following it's, it's, his car, but they don't see him. Like. Well, he really, really weird going stuff. There. Well, he seems to be possessed in some way for at least a portion of the movie. Like he he ain't right for yeah. a while, and is like he goes to meet up with the girls, but then is acting strange. And I'm glad that that was as inexplicable to y'all as it was to me because I was, was so like, vague. "Am I misunderstanding something here?" It was it was quite unclear what was happening with all that to me. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's a long shot where we see him standing in the kitchen, and the other his friends walking around behind him, and then his friends walking out of the kitchen. He's like, "Oh, whoa, you scared me!" As if he hadn't been in the kitchen the whole time. So maybe a little bit of artistry there, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing there, but it is an explosion. No, he's a, he's acting like details. not right for a while, but it's done in such a ham-fisted, haphazard way that I don't really know. I didn't really know how I was supposed to feel about it. I was like, okay, something's going on with him. He's going to go pick up that girl, but, like, I don't... If he's possessed, I don't know by what. Yeah. It's very weird. <laughs> it's I the djinn, man. It's the djinn. I mean, it turns out... Spoilers. 
<laughs> Dude, interestingly, <laughs> uh, as I was looking at some uh, some folks' thoughts on this movie online, uh, a consistent point of reference was uh, a franchise that we have actually checked in on through this podcast mm-hmm. before, Dabe, which... Oh yeah. really? Yeah, which I would watch. Dabe, this is not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dabe was well, uh, was was a trip. I forget what I rated it exactly, but I enjoyed Dabe much more than this. Let's put it that well, way. We saw we saw Dabe for the possession, right? I forget what number it was, but it was Dabe the possession. Four yeah. or five, and yeah, the the review that I sent to you earlier that I think you also saw, and apparently you saw more um, elsewhere, but they referred to like the first film in the franchise, which. I don't know if I'm more or less curious to see it now in reference to this mm, movie, but yeah. I'm, I'm Dude, slightly intrigued. Maybe Dabe 1 is a fucking banger. It might be. I mean, it spawned at least four sequels. Okay, I, I feel like I do this almost every episode and only like 50% of the time follow through, but I'm setting myself an assignment to watch Dabe 1 before next episode and I will report back. Let's hang out and watch Dabe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um... Well, I actually did think of Dabe watching this um, because I, it's one of the you know other few Middle Eastern films that we've watched. It's a Turkish film and it, it involves jinn, much like this movie. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, no wonder we're getting like dozens of of outrageous comments a day on our Dabe clip on Facebook because if you are in the Middle East and you're watching movies like Grandmother's Farm and then you watch Dabe. <laughs> you're gonna shit your pants like <laughs> like it's not gonna be funny it's not gonna be fun you're gonna get on facebook and you're gonna say this should be illegal and you should be in jail that's how much i'm terrified right now because well, dobby is not fucking around compared to grandmother's Farm. i was reading today that i mean like the jinn sort of mythology spans so many different cultures and countries and there are not only like evil gins, but good gins. Apparently, like mm-hmm. it's so yeah, complicated. T- Tanqueray, beef eater, Robin Williams, um, <laughs> Seagrams. I don't know about Seagrams. <laughs> that's a bad gin. Oh man, me, <laughs> yeah, me that's, saying that's Robin Williams gin. just got lost just now. I mean, I got yeah, it. Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't as funny as my joke. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bottom line, I, I'm just getting it now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that means um, it was better. Could be. Probably not. Uh, all right. Um we should review yes, it. Yes, yeah, we all absolutely right. let, should. Let, let me let me explain the framing issue. Oh, please. Be- yeah, be- that was intriguing yeah, before. Oh, yeah. Because all right, there are so many shots where something's out of frame or especially like the bottom of the frame like we mm. we see our priest our 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 holy man character uh, like doing an art and craft on the kitchen counter but the ki- kitchen counter is completely out of frame he's just like putting his hands yeah, below the yeah. frame and doing something we can't see it what's going on here i know as a videographer who has you know made a movie or two they shot this movie in 16:9 and then they put a letterbox mask on top of it because they thought it made it look more cinematic but they did not shoot it for that and they did not adjust the framing and once they did that, that so it's not it's not a pan and scan sitch as i thought it might be it's not a scan sitch, which maybe that's like they shot and handed it off to some other editor and then it just went straight from editing out there and and the editor was just phoning it in and was like i'm just gonna throw this on top of it well let's review it chris you you let off the episode why don't you go first view it cue it or screw it I'm going to give it a screw it. I mean, I have no malice towards anybody. God bless them all. But this this is was excruciating for me to watch. It, it, I felt like my mind was yep. dissolving the more I watched it. Because it's just every scene, every shot, every line of dialogue feels like a non sequitur. It doesn't follow the rules of filmmaking you're used to. On top of that, I don't have a problem with subtitles. But it does add a layer of like how much you have to pay attention to a movie. And, and another thing to do while you're watching a movie and in a movie that's this inept on every other level of its construction, adding subtitles is also just another, I just, another layer of complexity. Um, you know, it just doesn't really do anything right. There was, I think maybe one thing that I, cause I always try to find one thing that I'm like, that was cool. Or I like that. I think there was maybe one plot device that I thought was kind of interesting that I thought, Oh, that, that could have been something or that's an interesting idea. But other than that, woof, no, don't do not watch. Screw it. Patrick. 
I was trying real hard to come up with a cue it for this movie, but because of the argument Chris made about this new cinema- cinematic grammar, I think I got to give it a view it. No, I'm just kidding. It's no. a fucking screw it. Oh. It's a screw it. Thank oh. God. Thank God. Thank I, I could not. I was not ready to be trolled that I, I love that I had you both for a second, even though I like didn't even play it out for a long pause. But yeah, I mean, it's a boy. It was, this was a rough watch. I, I kind of start stopped it. You know, it should have been a quick one because it's an hour and 10 minutes, but I was start stopping it, starting it and <laughs> rewinding to try and catch things that I thought I had missed, but it turned out I hadn't. It's rough. But again, as I said earlier, I guess I will say all that with the caveat that like I do admire that there's this dude who's just an engineer in the UAE who's been making movies for 13 years and clearly made something you know, on the cheap with his friends and had a great success with it. Like, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's worth celebrating. But screw it. Steven. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Like, I, I I admire the breakout success of this filmmaker and the cast and being able to make a sequel, like, in, in a part of the world where there's just not really a, a solid film industry. But this movie is a fucking cursed toilet like it is just it is so oppressively like ugly and incomprehensible I, I you just open not. it up and you just keep pulling out like cow guts and skulls and all kinds I mean, of shit that said i wish it were like that but it's not there's barely any horror in this movie that's something we haven't talked about like it takes until I don't even think there are acts in this movie, which is another problem I have with it. Like, I'm all for subverting the three-act structure, but you have to do it intentionally. You have to know the rules to break the rules. This is just, like, fucking people hanging out, and weird shit happens, but you mostly don't see it. You hear people talk about it, uh, which is far less interesting than actually seeing it. It's just completely inept on every level yeah there might be some cultural context i'm missing but even if it's there it's not going to turn this fucking thing into a masterpiece for me it's awful no it's absolutely awful no. it is it feels like like i said before it, it i was thinking it felt like a student film while i was watching it i was thinking more like you know like a undergraduate film no this is like a middle school student film it is just like you've seen one movie before and you've never learned anything about filmmaking and you you're trying to make a feature film that is only an hour and 10 minutes how can a movie that's an hour and 10 minutes feel like it's five hours long i i have so much contempt for this thing wow Uh, contempt contempt for this film not for the filmmakers good for them i'm glad they're successful um i i hope they learn some lessons along the way i (laughs) i uh you know again in the spoiler room he'll tell us what he possible stuff we're missing with you know cultural references themes etc like like, that would maybe elevate them that would i'm looking for the reason why this movie exists and what it's trying to do it would m- elevate me to a point where i'm like okay i understand what they were trying to do and it was terrible like th- th- it, they failed horribly like like there's not i agree that's you know nothing that we're missing would save this movie by any stretch of the imagination all right chris you want to lead us down to the spoiler room Yeah, but first, you know, uh, I want to give the regular spiel about, you know, what we ask of our listeners. We don't ask for much, but we do ask that, you know, follow us on social media if you want to hang out with us, you know, between episodes or or let us know what you thought. Hey, maybe you're from the United Arab Emirates and you know exactly what this movie was trying to do and you want to tell us about it. Blow us the fuck out, please. I I welcome it. Blow us away, yeah. We love that. We love that. That's our favorite, probably our favorite type of comment to receive. I would say so, too, yeah. Dude, yeah, I was delighted the one time when someone weighed in on 1920 London, who, if I remember correctly, was from India and, you know, loved the movie and could offer perspective on why they loved it within the perspective of their culture. Like, I want to hear. (laughs) They told us why it was terrible. (laughs) Uh, I think we're thinking of different different Uh, people. Okay, all right. But yeah, I, 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 I want to hear the Emirati fans argument for this movie because like obviously i've read the director and the producer's argument for the movie but i want to like hear from someone from the uae who watched this and loved it and i want to hear why at the end of the day it's just not a movie for critics they made it for the fans 
Well, I mean, honestly, you're joking, but like, yes. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. Too. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you, I, I think you said it. I forget which of you said it. I think it was Chris early in this, but this movie was not made for us. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's ludicrous in a way that we're even reviewing it because it's not for us. Well, the wheel of death chose it. I didn't. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is the, the row we hoe in this, uh, <laughs> Amon world. It's our gift. It's our curse. It's why I'm going to retire. That is a millennium <laughs> reference. <laughs> anyway, uh, got to get one into every episode. So yeah, please, please, you know, leave a comment if you want to hang out with us. Follow us on social media. Uh, go to your podcast provider of choice. Rate and review us if you haven't already. We appreciate the feedback and it helps us get our podcast in front of more ears. Uh, and you can always go to our website, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com, and uh, excuse the state of disrepair it's in. But if you're there, you might be able to find our merch store where we can sell. A, you can we can sell you a t-shirt or a coffee mug with a with a little piece of every horror movie on netflix art on it uh you can check out our master list of all the movies we've reviewed and the ratings we've given it figure out what you want to watch next and uh you know that's about it so i guess we're ready to go to the spoiler room so let's uh you know the spoiler farm spoiler farm where they're gonna go get the chickens out of the out of out of the studio roast the lamb we're going to roast a lamb. That's what I was just about to say. Come on down right. to the spoiler farm with us. We're going to have some lamb down there. It'll be great. We'll, we'll spoil everything. So we'll be back in a bit. All right. Welcome back. We are here on Grandmother's Farm in the spoiler room. Getting ready to roast a lamb and spoil everything. I don't know what there's to spoil, fellas. Dude, yeah, I, I don't understand what happened in the end. Like, the, the the one girl gets in the ladies' man's car, and I think she's the djinn or is possessed by the djinn. And again, like, just in, in the most low-key terms I can use, hell breaks loose, question mark. But it mark. happens, I mean, weird. I guess I don't understand, like, this version of what a gin is because weird shit happens without her even being there is it that like she's already cast a spell over the ladies man and he's at grandmother's farm and because he's there weird things start happening because he's infected with her gin energy I, i'm lost or or maybe maybe it kind of passes between people because I, I feel like the inciting incident like the reason this all happens is because they run over the bones in the desert and then the ladies man starts to act weird he picks up the one girl and then she kind of seems to be the villain or whatever from there so maybe it's like kind of passed between them. Mm. I don't know. It's it's very it's very hard to decipher. And again, probably because this is not made for us. This probably makes at least somewhat more sense if you have any cultural grasp on this. It's probably still don't. not very exciting is, though, even if you do have you know, the cultural del- grasp you're speaking of. <laughs> delete delete this episode. Delete our account. <laughs> um, I, I'll give you my interpretation again, coming from a place of total ignorance. Um, but based on you know some of the banter we get at the beginning uh, with the religious guy, the way I interpreted the movie is that we have a group of five friends who are uh, transgressing the teachings of Islam and they are talking with women and things like that and the women happen to be I think they're all jinn possibly oh. at least one of them's a jinn uh, but I I'm, I'm biased too. because Stephen texted me a spoiler and was like I guess the moral is all women are jinn and so I kind of, when I watched this I was kind I of was pretending like, oh, to all, be you Chris when I said that. all these women are jinn <laughs> See, I, I don't know if I agree with that because the, the other two are freaked the fuck out in that scene where the one woman, Nora, gets into his car. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think they're all, all right. Well, at least one of them is Jin. Probably. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But I maybe. think just, you know, these guys kind of just look in the, the gallivant and talk to girls and they encounter a djinn and it extends an invitation to dark forces uh, that can only, as our as our guy who reads the book all the time says, like, you know, only the holy man is going to protect them and everything mm-hmm. like that. So I think that's kind of what's going on here. Who knows? 
Um, and yeah, the the thrills are are mild at best. My favorite thrill oh, let's hear it. was there's a there's a character who's who's sleeping. And he awakes, and there's a black cat in his room. Oh my god! The sound <laughs> that cat makes. That, that was hilarious. Cat, a human yeah. was definitely making that sound. The cat makes the most insane. The cat goes. <laughs> Chris, that sounds more like an actual cat than the cat in this movie. Yeah. It so, it's also like it weirdly the the visual is weirdly like blurred and bifurcated in a psychedelic yeah. sort of way that I didn't fully comprehend. And and the yeah. guy, the, our our actor sees this cat, which is by all means, it, it's just a cat. It's just a black cat, and he reacts with such terror. He looks like the woman on the cover art of the Babadook <laughs> looking at this cat, but it's just a cat. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious that and moment. kind of kind of par for the course in terms of the level of spooks this gives you and how how crazy people react to them. Well, I I was puzzled by what happens to grandmother is that something where i just no, check nothing the fuck happens out, to grandmother, grandmother she just goes she goes no away for the night clue. she goes away for the night she says she'll be back in the morning i've read a couple of this is so bizarre but a couple of more than one article i've read about this movie says that these guys are hanging out there for multiple days which is not possible this is one night hmm. um but she they meet her she's wearing an interesting visor uh, which I want to know more about. I kind of mm-hmm. want one for myself, frankly. And she <laughs> says, that, and all the guests are uncharacteristically rude to her for some reason. And she disappears and says she'll be back in the morning. And they leave the next morning. So grandmother is just like a non-entity in this movie, for all intents and purposes. Maybe, maybe everything happens just because people were so fucking rude to grandmother. I thought about that. I was like, maybe. because there is a the 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 grandson does make a big to do about how rude everyone is to her, and I thought like, oh, oh maybe yeah. that's like the the inciting incident for the curse. Um, but we but we know it's yeah. probably just the bones. I think grandmother is just, I. F- I don't know. I feel like it might be very personal. That's why I also felt another reason I felt like this was a student film. I felt like the, whoever made this movie was like, yeah, my grandmother's got a farm. We can shoot there for for a weekend. And, but she needs to be in the what movie. What should we call it? <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> She'll let us film there if she so, can appear for 30 seconds. <laughs> that is the role that would be given to like Robert Engel under Lance Henriksen yeah. in an American horror movie. Or Tony Todd. Straight to video. <laughs> yeah, Tony. Barbara, Barbara Crampton. <laughs> yeah. So another question I have is there's this literally one shot where we have this kind of like stagger zoom towards a woman who is walking across the field towards grandmother's farm she's in very distinctive very colorful garb it's like yellow and pink and white do you guys remember this no yes <laughs> and and <laughs> that was when steven fell asleep one I didn't of the times fall asleep. Fell i watched asleep. this in one sitting i'll have you know um you just told us no you i said asleep. it was lulling me to sleep i didn't fall asleep I powered through this motherfucker and immediately started watching the sequel as soon as it finished. What? Okay, that's the biggest spoiler of the spoiler room, is that you watched Grandmother's Farm 2. I watched, like, 15 minutes of it. I mean, Grandmother's Farm 2 looked like a fucking Scorsese movie compared to this shit. Oh, really? Oh, they took a step up. It looked like shit, but, I mean, in comparison, it was like... Better camera begins with a, a sweeping wow. drone shot of dunes. Um, Is it the same character? cast? Oh, I love a sequel that that preserves the cast and continuity of the first I, film. I feel like it's rare in horror. But it had I, I turned it off because it had the same fucking sleepy ass hangout vibe. There's like a, <laughs> so they were still a, just chilling. There's like a five minute soccer scene in the desert. <laughs> nothing this this feels like a film where it's like they shot the first and the second one at the same time (laughs) it's not the case well except they did it they needed the money from the first one to to make the second one yeah and i don't know i mean maybe i'll finish the second one maybe maybe the director fulfilled his vision finally with that i don't know but i mean i will say oh he wants to make a third he wants to make a third we know i read that too and i will say like given that this that the that grandmother's farm the original the og is so shapeless it felt to me like it was the first act of a movie like it doesn't get interesting Mm. until the end and then it just ends so it seemed to me like a a trilogy was planned from the beginning except that's not how you do a trilogy each film should stand on its own 
and so let me ask you this: Did anything even like remotely scary no, happen absolutely in the fifteen not. minutes you absolutely watched? Absolutely, oh, okay, not wow. even remotely. Okay, so same vibe. Yeah. And how long is it? That's another. Important it is ten question. minutes longer, so okay. still under ninety right. minutes. <laughs> Amazing! Amazing! All right, but to get back to my question, so we see this woman that Stephen did not see, but Chris did. So maybe Chris can help me with this. And as far as I remember, we do not see a woman wearing that garb in any other scene in the movie. Do you have any insight on who that was, what was happening? Oh, we see Anything. we see at the so at the end of the movie, we finally like really see like I guess the gin. It's it's one of the girls from the convenience store and she is demonic and very mm-hmm. scary indeed. And that is she's wearing the same dress. Oh, so, she is yeah, in that in that yes, in that shot. Yeah. Okay. So that so that, that is one of the girls from the convenience store as a gin, I right. guess, who has been wearing black, completely black, yeah. clothing up until that point. Okay. Right. Interesting. But okay. yeah, because that's weird. I, I forgot is it that though, she was Patrick? wearing that in is that it scene. Though? Is it interesting? <laughs> it is interesting. I am interested. Well, it's it's the thing where it's like we see this, sh- you know, it's, it's and this movie's like two thirds over by this point, and you're like, okay, we got a, a clearly objectively spooky being coming to grandmother's farm. Now we're gonna see some shit, and you don't see some shit. You don't even really see that that girl again until the end of the movie, where she's like curled up in a ball, going. Bah! And the the housekeeper is like, oh god, no, and that's it. Yeah, fucking like, oh, the poor dude. Ugh. Yeah, he's he's the Dobby, not the Dobby, but the Dobby of the movie. <laughs> like, he's just the house elf who is constantly like being servile to everyone. Yeah. And it, I, I felt oh, the that grandson that, treats him fucking horribly. Oh yeah, he's like, oh master, oh master. But the grandson kind of gets like, it, when, waving at everybody when, when Dobby like he's like so the grandson is like so like concerned about this lamb this late night lamb roast and he he's like fucking grilling Dobby about it and Dobby fucking shows him what's up and he's like this is an automated process we do this all the time you need to chill the fuck out I love that oh I, I love was, that moment I I was hypnotized by the automatic like mechanized spit for the lamb like they just put it on this thing and there's a little motor that just like slowly and consistently turns the lamb i was like oh whenever i finally manage to buy a house in this horror show of a market that's the first thing i'm getting for my backyard is one of those spits to go over the the fire pit that is the horror that we're all experiencing right now that the housing market right now um if you if you don't own a home you're trying to get a home you're fucked right now and i can't wait to get a wave of horror movies about that concept. Oh god, that Ooh. sounds so maybe and... the next spiral Ooh. from the book of saw, spiral 2 will be like the next great <laughs> real estate thriller. <laughs> be, Tell me Chris about escrow, baby. I'm I'm a write it. Chris Rock will be saying with the cadence of Adam West's Batman, he'll be like <laughs> spiral. Housing spiral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway, um absolutely but yeah guys i mean all right oh so i did i did allude to one thing that i thought was had an interesting idea and it's one of the things where like you watch a movie and it's you're 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 just clawing at the ground trying to find something to like about a movie and there was something that i was like that's kind of a cool concept or it could be in a movie that i'm making up in my own head and it's when the holy character is, you know he's kind of the first to catch on that there's an evil presence in this yeah. house and so he's like all right i gotta cleanse this house and so he goes up to his buddy and he's like you got any gum arabic in this house and he's like ah, i think there's mm-hmm. something in the kitchen and he goes and he's you know and then i don't know if he actually had like a tool of the you know like a like a religious person's cleansing urn with him or if this is all just cobbled together but for a moment he looks like he's MacGyvering this solution, and I like the idea of an exorcist who didn't bring his satchel with him, and he has to cleanse the house or cleanse spirits and do ceremonies with found objects and things like that. I could have done with a lot more of that, frankly. Yeah, that was that the was one thing I did like, dude. You know what these guys needed was Farokuja or Jay, definitely Jay. <laughs> <laughs> No, Farakuja. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Jay. Farakuja no, right. is is a hero. 
He's he's Jay adjacent. But he he he's, specializes he Jay in adjacent. Jin, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason? He is a, he is Jay adjacent. Oh, a, Jay adjacent. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he does specialize in Jin. He's the guy where if if you brought Jay on here, Jay would be like, "I can help, but I don't know a whole lot about Jin, so I'm going to call a guy. He knows everything there is to know. Just stay right here." He's like Pawn I feel stars. like Jay would be like I don't think you guys have all that much to worry about here. This seems like a pretty lucky threat. Bye bye, dude. Jay has seen some shit. He'd be like, "All right, call me back when there's a lemon rolling around your basement." <laughs> dude, you know, you know what's upsetting? Here's my, you know, you guys talk about physical media all the time. I, I, I don't really care one way or the other. Here's my physical media uh, gripe of the week: is recently I was like, you know what, I need to own on Blu-ray. 1920 London Fear Strikes Again. Why? It doesn't... Because I love that movie. It has been a part of my life now for nearly four fucking years. And I looked it up on eBay. Blu-ray does not exist. You can get a DVD, but for $45. Oh, my God. I'm not going to be a fucking animal and get this on DVD for $45. So if anybody... No, hold on. What if I told you, Patrick... Oh, boy. What oh if boy. I told you? Oh, boy. And we're going to have to censor this because it's illegal activity. I'll add lots but of bleeps. If, Don't worry. Just say We'll it. bleep it. But what if I told you that I 1920 London off of and I have a high definition on my And I was planning to put it onto I've just been lazy as fuck. Dude. Don't worry. Wait, you can do that? How do you do that? I have ways. I did it. So don't I, worry. I I want it. We'll be I, watching. I like, we'll be watching 1920 I, London soon. Yeah, give me that. Give me that. Oh yeah, give it to me. You got it. Can't wait. All right. Yes. Um. Yeah. What else is there, guys? I think that's about There's it. Nothing. We're done. We're done. I don't want to think about this movie anymore. I want to just erase it from my mind. But you know what? God bless Ahmad Zane. He seems like a great guy. I'm glad that he got to make this and that it turned out so well. Oh, I'm happy for his success. Sure. Sure. And and people in the UAE seem to love this movie, this franchise, and good for them as well. They respond to it like, I'm not going to stop them with my screw it. (laughs) I, I, I say this unironically. Nothing would make me happier than if Ahmed Zane got a gig directing a Marvel movie. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I, I actually thought you were going for Conjuring movie. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I no I, I say this as someone who you know doesn't doesn't hold the the Marvel Cinematic Universe in in that high of a you know I don't have it's not very sacred to me. So I, nothing would make me happier than than kids flocking to see you know whatever the hell Iron Man five and it's directed by Ahmed Zane. <laughs> sure. I hope he gets a big break. All right, so Chris, uh, you get to pick the movie for next week. You get to decide what hellscape we inhabit on our next episode. What are we watching? We are watching The Wind. It's not the Warren Zevon album. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it were. I wanted to see this. I'm excited. It's a horror western. Right? I don't know what it is. It just kind of caught my eye browsing. It looks a little artsy. It looks well done. Reminds me of some of the period pieces we've seen before, like the Golem. It says, isolated on a wind-ravaged 19th century homestead, a frontierswoman begins to suspect that evil lurks in the terrifying emptiness all around her. So I'm hoping for a slow burn. I've heard good things, and I will say it's been in my queue for quite some time. I'm into it. I'm curious. Cool. All right, we're going to watch The Wind next time. Uh, But until then, like I said, you know, Follow us on social media at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast. You know, chime in, talk about movies. Tell us what you would like us to watch. Tell us what you thought about the movies we already watched. Uh, in two weeks, we'll be watching. Uh, we'll be watching The Wind. And uh, until then, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Stephen. See you later. Bye. Bye bye.